Welcome to our Life Shape Life Lesson number one, okay? Life Block number one. Wow. This year we're going to be putting together our discipleship life blocks, building blocks in our life. And this Life Shape Lesson, uh, for those of you that are, that are uh, watching and viewing this so that you can teach it next week uh, or this week, then uh, realize that you know, you're a vital link in what God is doing. You're a link that's binding us together as a network, networking together around the world to cover the earth with humble prayer and strategic discipleship. This is something that in generations past was not able to be done. Linking together like this so that together we can lift up one voice, so that together we can, we can disciple the body of Christ with a very strategic, very methodical, step-by-step, well-orchestrated plan to grow us into the believers that God wants us to be. And uh, thank all of you so much for praying with us. You know, for uh, about the next 20 to 25 minutes, we're going to be talking about the fact that there is only one God, okay? I know it may seem like, uh, you know, some, some minor lesson to you, but I want you to understand, those of you sitting here, those of you that perhaps are, you know, living in, in, in some environment to where you would say, oh, I know there's one God. Realize that networking around the world, we are covering places like India, where the predominant religion is Hindi where they serve 330 million gods and goddesses. Okay? I mean, it's, 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 it's strange to us, but there are actually very few historically monotheistic, people who believe in one God, monotheistic cultures and traditions of religions. We are a world and history has supported the fact that our world serves and lives predominantly in a polytheistic culture. And so we're building lives. The very first thing we're going to discover, the very first thing every believer should know, and the very first life-shaped lesson is the fact that there is one God. Our key scripture tonight is going to be coming from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. And... Uh, if you're looking for a New Testament parallel, this particular verse was quoted by Jesus in Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 29 and 30. It's the very verse that he quoted whenever he was asked what the most important thing was. What is the number one thing he was asked? What is the very first thing, the very first commandment? He went to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, and he quoted this verse. It's our key verse for tonight. He said this. He said, uh, go ahead and bring it up, okay? He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, you know, the Lord our God. That word, the Lord, is the Hebrew word Jehovah. Hear, O Israel, hear my people, hear my chosen seed of Abraham. Listen to me, God said, and Jesus repeated in Mark 12, 29, listen to this, Jehovah, our God, is one. The Lord, Jehovah, is one. 
There is but one God. He went on to say, both in Mark, as Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, that we should love the Lord our God. What we're called to do is love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. A basic picture of how God made man. We should love him with all of our heart. We should love him with all of our spirit. We should love him spiritually. We should love him with all of our soul, all that we are, all of our makeup, what we are, how God made us, how God made you different. He made you different, but you're to love him even with your differentness, even with your particular personality and the way God's put you together. You are designed by God to love him with everything he created you to be and love him as well with all of your strength, with your body, with your physical abilities. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote as well whenever he said that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto him. You know, it's hard many times for us to imagine those of us who embrace one God. It's hard for us to imagine that there are people around the world worshiping so many gods, worshiping the sun, the moon. They, you know, they, they, they won't step on a bug. It might be an ancestor. And I'm not making fun or being critical of anyone, but it's hard for people who were raised in a monotheistic culture to imagine people worshiping everything else, things outside of what they considered to be a one true and living supreme being. But here we know the Word of God supports one certain truth. And the truth of the matter is there is one God. There are no other gods. In fact, the Bible does not give us an indication that there is a competition between gods. There is no competition between gods. There is only one God. And Jesus tells us that him only. He's the only one we should serve. Uh, as I said, many cultures, many customs, many traditions, as well as history supports, you know, from Greek uh, mythology to, to, uh, to current day religion support the thought that there are so many and so uh, varied gods. You might think, well, here in America, you know, we don't serve a lot of gods, but I beg to differ with you. Even though we may not call them God, I want to let you know that you might be shocked to realize how many people actually serve money as their God or actually serve their, uh, you know, their hobby as their God or actually serve what they consider to be their future best interest as their God, putting things in front of God, worshiping other things instead of Almighty God. The Bible tells us there is but one God. As I said earlier, there's not a competition uh, uh, between gods. There is actually only one God. No competition. God is not in competition with these things. God is not in competition with Islam. You know, if you are not watchful, you could imagine yourself to be in competition with Hinduism, with Buddhism, with, with Baha'i faith, or with atheism. You know, we are not in competition as believers in one God and as believers in Jehovah 
as that one God, we cannot afford to be pushed into some corner or into some competitive thoughts as though we are in a race to prove who is our God or that we're in some competition, some religious competition to have the better God. That's not the way it is. The Apostle Paul wrote to us and told us that there are no other gods. That's the reality. Listen to me when I tell you. And believe me, when you hear, and some of you may be hearing it for the very first time, there are no other gods. It's not a matter of whose God is best. The fact of the matter is that only one religion can be true. Only one. Two religions cannot be true because... Hindus will never agree with you that the Bible is the truth because if they did, they would have to agree that there are no other gods. Islam will not agree that the Bible is the truth because if they did, they would have to agree that there are no other gods uh, and that Jesus is the Lord, the Son of God, okay, the coming king. Uh, Buddhism will not agree that the Bible is the truth. Okay? There can only be one truth. There cannot be two truths. Only one truth. Once we embrace this, we move ourselves into a category of people who actually have to be challenged to choose which truth we are going to embrace. God is not afraid of you choosing. God is pro-choice. We'll read that scripture in a moment. God is not afraid of you making a choice. In fact, he is a God that demands you make a choice. But let me tell you, before you choose, there can only be one truth. Christians, believers in Jesus as Messiah, Jews as well, will never agree that the Quran is the truth. Or that Hinduism holds the key to eternity. Or that Buddhism, or that atheism, or that Baha'i, or any of the, you know, no one will agree. Right now, there is a movement in the earth led by one of our former presidents and one of the prime ministers, uh, uh, former prime ministers of a European country. There is a movement afoot in the world to try to find the common ground among all religions. They're drawing circles around all the religions, what all the religions believe, and they're finding a place where all those beliefs intersect. And they're trying to draw a little circle around our intersection, around uh, the commonalities of what every religion embraces. And they're trying to say that is the truth. But do not be deceived. In order to believe that that encompasses all truth, you will have to discard 75 to 80% of everything else you believe without respect to whether you're a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Christian or a Jew or Baha'i or an atheist without respect to what you believe in order to believe that everything is true you have to believe what you believe is not 
Hello. You have to believe no one is true if you're going to believe everyone is right. You have to believe no one is right. There is only one truth, okay? If you subscribe to the humanistic philosophy that all roads lead to heaven, then you are discounting every religion, including atheism. Okay? Let's wake up and shake up our minds. There can only be one truth. Okay? You get to choose which one you're going to believe. To believe them all is to believe none of them. Understand the implication here. Okay? To believe them all is to believe none of them is true. Are you with me on that? Okay. That's important to understand because each one of them makes certain claims that absolutely runs afoul of every other one of them. Uh, let me give you some important truths, okay? Let me give you three important truths, and then I'm going to read a scripture to you to put a, 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 a perspective on this for us, all right? Remember, only one story can be true, okay? It's the story of the Bible. Man is not God. Money is not God. Uh, nor are the mindless, speechless, you know, and, and, and powerless idols that people set up. Okay? There is but one God, Jehovah Almighty, uh, and Him only shall we serve. We serve Him with our spirit, our soul, and our body. Important truths, okay? The first important truth that I want you to know tonight, the first thing every believer should have in their life, even before they become a believer, okay? Even uh, the, the very first thing we need to embrace even once we become a believer, is that there is only one truth. Okay? One truth. If you will embrace, if you'll think it out far enough, think it out for yourself, sit down and try to reconcile any two religions you cannot. Okay? There's only one truth. A second important point is that there is a limit beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. Okay? Uh, you know, uh, no matter what you might choose to believe, I want you to know there is a limit beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. Okay? We should tolerate everyone and everything else as far as we can. But there is a limit beyond which tolerance. There is a limit beyond which you can be accused of being wrong because you refuse to be tolerant. There are some things we should not tolerate. There are some things we cannot tolerate. There are some things that every religion teaches should not be tolerated. Okay? Atheists teach God should not be tolerated in our schools. Come on. Okay? Uh, every religion teaches its limits of tolerance. Okay? Christianity teaches a limitation to tolerance as well. There is a limit 
beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue and actually becomes a detriment to society. And just because you have some certain moral standards of life, just because you have some definite non-negotiable beliefs, just because you embrace some absolutes based upon the Word of God does not mean that you should become a social outcast or labeled as some right-wing radical religious fanatic who should not be tolerated because you won't tolerate. Hello. So let me encourage you, believers, get some backbone, okay? Decide that there are some things worth standing for, there are some things worth fighting for, and there are some things worth dying for. And we cannot embrace the world's suggestion that we are intolerant because we do not agree with immoral practices allowing them to have their full course and run rampant in our lives, in our families, in our nation, our communities, our churches, in the world. There is a limit beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. Point number one, there's only one truth, right? Point number two, there's a limit beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. And point number three, there is only one God. Let me drive that home to you tonight. There's only one God, one truth in one way. And if we are going to build our lives on a solid foundation, if we're going to see our nation return to the God of our fathers, if we're going to see the church rise and strengthen in power, be a house of prayer and a house of healing for a community that is hurting, for a world that's dying and lost and going to hell, if you're going to see your family saved, if you're going to see eternity and heaven and all that God promises, you must first embrace the fact that there can only be one truth. Secondarily, that there are some things worth standing for, worth fighting for, and worth dying for. And that there is only one God. Now, if you believe that, the choice is yours. This is what Joshua said. As I told you earlier, God is not afraid of you choosing. In fact, God demands you choose. He encourages you to decide. You know, it's, it's not a bad thing to have to decide. And this is what the Word of God says. I've taken it as Uh, as a personal word from me to God. What Joshua said in chapter 24 and in verse 15, excuse me, 24 verse 15, he said this. He's talking to the congregation of Israel. He has them all there and they've just come into a promised land. They have just defeated their enemies uh, by and large in that new land. And Joshua is about ready to die. 
Many people believe that he is standing in the city of Shechem, right near the well of Jacob, right between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, that he's standing at the place where Abraham built the first altar in the, in, in, in the land of promise, and that Joshua is standing there burying the bones of Joseph in the tomb of Joseph when he makes his departing speech. And this is what he says. He says, and if it seems evil to you, if it seems wrong to you to serve Jehovah, the Lord, that's what he's saying, Jehovah. If it seems wrong to you, if it seems evil to you to serve Jehovah, then choose somebody else to serve. God's not afraid of you choosing. The book of Revelation says he would rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, you'll end up just being spewed of his mouth. Okay? You make him nauseous with your indecisions as to who you're going to believe, who you're going to serve, and how you're going to stand. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord Jehovah, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether you will serve the gods, you know, uh, which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose the land you dwell. I mean, you decide who you're going to serve. But he made this declaration. Sure and secure. And I ask you to make it with me tonight as the first step in our life-shaped prayer and discipleship. As for me and my house, we will serve Jehovah. That's my declaration. In this, the beginning of 2013, if it seems wrong to you, if it seems evil to you to serve Jehovah, serve someone else. Choose. Whether you're going to serve the, the God of your ancestors or the God uh, of the land and the nation that you dwell in and the traditions or the customs, the cultures of that nation, go for it. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to stand upon the fact that there's one truth. It's the truth of this Holy Bible. I'm going to stand for it. I'm going to fight for it. And if need be, I will die for it because me and my house will serve the Lord. Our commission from God is to live an abandoned life to this one truth that he and he alone is God. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray this together. Amen. Are you ready to make this declaration? If you aren't, just keep silent. Okay? But let me tell you, God will demand you choose. And no choice is a choice to not serve Jehovah. Amen. Pray this with me. Father, we believe the truth of the Bible. 
I believe that you are my God, creator of the universe, sustainer of all life, my God and my Lord. Today I choose to declare my devotion to you. Today I choose to love you and to serve you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength. I will serve no other. I will not allow any encroachment. I choose the one truth. I refuse to believe the world and their estimation of you. I will be as tolerant as possible but I will not be moved from the non-negotiable absolutes of the one truth of your word. Your word is final authority. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because we need you. We recognize our dependence upon you. And today, we choose to serve you and you alone. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.